You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Jacob Lukowitz, online and social media editor at SD Times. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast episode. Today, we're going to be talking about why generative AI apps and integrations without guardrails risk exposing data to the internet. With me today is Dale Zabriskie, known as Dr. Z, field CISO at Cohesity. Hi, Dale. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks for coming on. Thank you, Jakob. It's great to be with you. Great to have you on. So to set the stage for our listeners, can you tell us what is generative AI and how is it different from other types of AI? Well, they're, they're generally, we talk about uh, two types of AI. There's generative and then there's discriminant. Uh, or discriminative. And really the difference is around generative because it takes something uh, that didn't previously exist. It creates something that didn't exist. Whereas discriminative, which kind of draws distinctions between different kinds of input, but the, mm-hmm. the thing that chat GBT and the things that are in the, in the forefront today is when we ask a question and in a a very sophisticated query and a sophisticated search, it uses this AI to generate something uh, for for use. Mm-hmm. Great. So it seems like we hear about ChatGPT from left and right now, but not so much about the security aspect, um, especially not of integrating them into apps. So can you tell us a bit about how generative AI might pose some risks or challenges? And is this something that you're seeing already now? Well, to answer the last question first, yes, it's mm-hmm. already out there. And it's like anything that's creative. it's uh, It's got great use and an f- unbelievable future, but it's also being used, uh, you know, for ill will. There's no question about it. There's a lot of problems out there. Uh, you know, one of the first things that we see, all of us, I think that that hits home for all of us, we've all received an email from some Nigerian prince somewhere saying, I've got money for you. Or we see these spam emails that are clearly not written by someone that has English as their first language. Um, AI is being used, this generative AI is being used to create very convincing phishing emails that may come from some uh, third world country, from someone who has no English skills, but uses the AI to create something that's very convincing and sophisticated, as opposed to the stuff that's so very easily identified as spam. So that's a that's a first uh, low level way in which uh, the generative AI is being used uh, for security, for yeah. and security in a concern about security. Yeah, I've definitely seen a lot of those emails. I've yet to see my payout from that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm still waiting for my 10 million. Yeah, I don't know right. about you. So. <laughs> so what are some ways that developers can mitigate the risks associated with generative AI? And what steps should they take to secure them? Well, the first thing, it, and it all comes back to data. It all comes back to controlling data. Um, you know, the the evolution of our world around uh, the cloud and the last 15 to 20 years of, of, of uh, technology has pushed data out and out and out and out. And at the same time has created unbelievable amounts of data. I mean, we're talking about exabytes 
and yottabytes of data where, you know, we didn't know how to spell that uh, years not too long ago. And so there's so much data and much of it is dark data in the sense that we don't know what it is and we don't know where it is. I, I think data is like water. It finds mm -hmm. the lowest point of any place that you put it. And the concern here from a developer standpoint is we have people that have access to very significant secret proprietary data and information, the keys to the kingdom, the secret sauce, however you want to divide, uh, define it. And what's happening with the generative AI is they're taking that information and they're putting it into the query. So these large language models that exist are now having access to it. So we're, we're putting our keys of the kingdom into this systems to see, oh, write mm. this code for me that includes this information or look at this code and tell me what's wrong with it or et cetera, et cetera. You know, so there's a lot of ways to do that. And it may not be code. It could be any type of proprietary information or sensitive information that is just being, uh, you know, put out into these uh, into these big data lakes. Mm hmm. So it all comes down to having a, a data protection strategy, first and foremost. Oh, ab absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it's one of the things I've been talking about for a long time is the importance of classifying data. It's the matter that data is like currency. You know, in 2006, there was a mathematician, Clive Humby, a British mathematician who's credited with coining the term, data is the new oil. Mm -hmm. And that was, what, 17, 18 years ago. Uh, it's never right. been more true. You know, I, I look at it like the money in my wallet. You know, I I take care of the 50s or the hundreds that may be in my wallet. I'm concerned much more about those than I am the $1. And if I were to give something to someone, let's say I'm driving down the road and I come up to an intersection, there's somebody holding a sign and needs some money, I'd be more apt to give them a smaller currency than I would a larger currency. Mm -hmm. And so I, I liken that like I'm putting my data out into the world, right? I'm putting that money out there. But if I don't know that about my own data, if I don't know which ones are my hundreds and which ones are my ones, how can I put the right controls around them? Mm -hmm. So to protect the data, we have to have the good classification and segmentation around knowing what it is, where it is, and who has access to it. Mm -hmm. Then now I can move forward and, you know, utilize these tools. So, you know, Samsung had this happen to them where a couple of developers had put this information out. But you know what? They're developing now their own uh, generative AI system to put the right controls around it so that they can get the value out of it, but not place uh, their data in harm's way. And I think that's kind of the one of the things that's moving ahead. These are not easy to do and they, you know, they're not cheap for sure. Yeah. But for larger corporations, I think that's what a lot of them are going to have to do. Right. So who in the organization would most often be responsible for handling those guardrails? Well, you know, data historically has been uh, the responsibility as a data gatekeeper, let's call it a data gatekeeper, is going to be, you know, the IT infrastructure organization. Ultimately, though, there are data owners. So the data owners are going to be the departments, like it's marketing or it's finance or whatever. But the, the data owners historically have uh, trusted the data gatekeepers to put the controls around it. And, and, you know, you're supposed to make me secure. That's that's the attitude in this space. And so there's a lot of things that have been done. You know, what are we going to do? Well, I'm going to back it up. 
I've got my data backed up. Um, okay, that's great. It's it's, but then how do you uh, recover? It's it's really all about recovery. It's about being resilient enough to recover. Everything mm-hmm. that we do really comes down to that. If you, you know, here's an example. And when Katrina came through the Gulf of Mexico in 2006, I think, um, right around there, there was uh, one of the oil companies lost, a lot of the oil companies lost their rigs. I was speaking with one of them, I should say. And they, you know, tell the story about how the rigs were just lost and all the servers and, you know, a lot of computing power on those things. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to recover. Well, guess where they, this was back when they had it all on tape. Guess where they put their tapes? Take a guess. No, it wasn't on the rig. Okay. (laughs) Let's give them a little more credit than that. It was in downtown New Orleans Mm. and it was inaccessible for six months. Wow. So we have to really think about the recovery aspect for when, when things are going to happen. So that's, that's a big thing that needs to happen. Uh, you know, in security, we talk about the, the triad of security, confidentiality, integrity, and availability. And depending on what industry you're in, depending on what kind of data you deal with, you're going to lean one way, you know, more than another. That's a three-legged mm-hmm. stool, right? And you're going to be yeah. more concerned about one or the other. But you know, invariably, when you ask this question of organizations, let's take healthcare as an example, you would think that confidentiality may be the most important thing in healthcare, right? Healthcare mm-hmm. data. But when you talk to the data gatekeepers and the people that are running the systems, they'll tell you say, no, 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 no. It's availability. Because mm-hmm. patient care can't happen without availability of data. So these are the these are the, the uh, concerns that these organizations have around the data that they keep and make giving proper access to it and then recovery from it. So what AI does is and the generative stuff is, you know, first of all, it's here to stay. It's a brave new world. there's there's so much promise. but, it's a new world that has to have new uh, approaches to to data security. Mm-hmm. So the it, it becomes a, a team sport. Uh, you could say it takes a village, whatever you want to put it. Everyone is responsible for the data control and, and security is what I'm getting at. You've got the technical people who do what they do. You've got the data owners, but then you have the users, or as a lot of security people like to call users, carbon-based lifeform units, okay? They're just part of the technical ecosystem, Mm -hmm. but they have the most control or most impact maybe, not control, but they, they are the ones like the Samsung developers, right? Or the people that click on a phishing link or the people that, take data and put it on a thumb drive or, you know, there's, there's infinite ways to expose the data. And so everyone needs to be part of the solution. Uh, and that takes a culture uh, that is kind of difficult. I've, I've talked with some companies who said, for, you know, take, uh, take uh, security awareness. You know, we want to train our people how to be aware, not to click on things. And I've had some companies say, look, we don't want to test our people. We don't want them them to think that we don't trust them. And okay, well, 
you know, it, it's not so much, you know, they have this responsibility. They are part of the solution and part of the problem. So I, it really takes all of these areas of concern for organizations to to really be secure in their data. I see. Yeah, it's all very interesting. Um, so you mentioned that this is uh, a direction that larger organizations need to take, uh, but I wonder how how this might affect some smaller um, organizations that might not have the resources or the the technical skills to be able to handle that, um, especially since this this new threat that could potentially come from AI seems like the great unknown. So I was wondering what what your insight is on maybe what smaller organizations can do. In a lot of ways, a smaller organization um, can be more successful because mm-hmm. they are tighter. They're fewer. They're not as broad uh, as far as their data is concerned. Uh, you know, the, we talk about the edge now and where, you know, the the... You know, the the iPhone changed our world forever with uh, putting data out there, uh, and that's just gone and gone and gone. The smaller organizations do have the capability of corralling, I think, a little bit better because they're not so quite exposed, and it's a little easier to create that kind of culture with a smaller organization than it is for a larger one that, uh, you know, especially, you know, we use this term legacy all the time in IT and yeah. and making that ship move is really, really hard. So some of the more, um, some of the more uh, nascent uh, companies or the smaller organizations that are really just t- getting into this idea uh, could have a little bit easier of a time by saying up front, okay, here are the guardrails. These mm-hmm. are the things that we need to do and making sure that everybody understands uh, their responsibility in it. And right. I think you also see over time now, we'll get more and more services around AI. You look at you can look at chat GPT as a service, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, Google's Bard, or or the Wally, uh, or Dolly. Excuse me, got, got the movie on my brain. Yeah, um, and however many more will pop up. <laughs> yeah, future. exactly. Just like to everyone, everyone's right. making one. <laughs> and so, as we adopt these new uh, applications, there's going to mm-hmm. be more concern from the user about the security. Right. To say, show me, yeah. you know, that the best thing you can do from a as a cloud for cloud security, and and this is this is part of it. It's a big cloud, right? Mm-hmm. That makes it happen. Is you need to treat that resource like it would be under your own roof and ask them, you know, perform the audits. Uh, that's a that's a good way to be to be very concerned about it. But uh I think that um you know, using these services and, and for you know, what we're trying to do as a company with Microsoft as an example uh, of our, the data that the schema, the things that we do on our back end are AI ready. Mm-hmm. And as organizations can do that, that makes it uh, a lot easier and more efficient and certainly more secure. Okay. Oh, very interesting. So one of my last questions is, uh, what advice would you give to developers who are interested in in integrating generative AI? Um, I think this is a step in our in our society and in our in industry and and in technology to what's coming is data democratization, where everybody has access to everything. Now there will always be things that are protected, data that's protected and confidential and and all that and very secure. That will always take place. But from a decision 
that a business needs to make for investing or budget or marketing or whatever, opening up the data has a lot of value. And so the problem is we have a data literacy problem with that because there are a lot of people that aren't in a position to maybe be get to maybe be ready to use that data. You know, a, a data warehouse and a business intelligence system is one thing because it's very structured and there's rules around how I use that and there's uh, you know, vernacular and and commands and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. When data democratization, as that happens, it requires that we move from the data gatekeepers that I talked about to more data citizens. There's a citizenry that requires uh, that we adopt. And with that comes organizations educating their people on being to be data literate. To understand what they're looking at, and this is a this is a cultural long term shift, but it but it's happening and it's getting pushed by a lot of the development because of the tools like a Chat, chat GPT and the OpenAI stuff has so much value. So if you're going to be a citizen, you live by the rules, right? Mm-hmm. What you know, I'll just I'll I'll just wrap up with with one rule. It's it's speed limits. You know, what if we just say, hey. I want to use this tool. I'm free. I'm going to go wherever I want as fast as I want. There are no speed limits. What happens? It's chaos, right? We've got all this stuff happening all around us. But if we if we have guardrails in place, you have a street that's 45 miles an hour. If you drive 45 and you're staying in the lane, you're free to go and do whatever you want. You don't have to worry about things. But if you drive 85, you've suddenly bound yourself because now you're worried about somebody pulling out in front of you. You're worried about the cop. You're worried about all these different things. And now you're not free. You, you've you created a, a, a society that's not free, quite, quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a, in a society rules and guidelines are really, really important. And when we talk about now how important data is and the protection of that data and if we're going to open things up, which we are, as we uh, let me rephrase that, as we continue to open things up, it more and more requires that organizations and individuals, you know, become good data citizens, essentially. All right. Thank you so much for that ins- for all your great insight. I think that was a great way to round it up. And I like the analogy at the end. I appreciate being with you. Thank you for the time. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Be sure to check out all of our weekly episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform. Till next time, this has been What the Dev.